Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com on the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus, and the world is on fire yet again. So we are Uh-oh. recording and... An, uh, <laughs> An emergency, uh, oops, no rights <laughs> episode of the Back to the Cast. Oh, we laugh so we don't cry. We laugh so we don't cry, uh, but we <clears> still <throat> cry. But we still also cry. You know, because we're laughing so hard. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, a difficult week. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Uh, ho- hope everyone is doing well. We mm. have been wanting to do this episode for a while but um we're we're covering the movie unpregnant you know you clicked on you clicked on the episode you pressed play that's on you uh but we've been wanting to do this episode since this movie came out um but we kind of fast-tracked it for this week for obvious reasons if you're listening to this at a later time we are recording this the week that um the supreme court intention to potentially uh Remove the right to abortion uh, has been leaked. Yeah. Just to be totally clear about what exactly is going on. It's very common knowledge, but we want to just be sure. Uh, The Supreme Court is poised to make this decision about abortion on whether it's protected by the Constitution or not. Uh, This was a draft of a February Supreme Court opinion. It was leaked, and it sort of would lead you to believe that the court is going to be overturning Roe v. Wade, um, which made abortion legal uh, nationwide back in the 70s. Basically, they're trying to make abortion unconstitutional and roll back 50 years of progress. Yeah. There have been protests this week. There's been a huge call to action to donate to local abortion funds, um, 
which we will, you know, right at, right at the top, we're going to be uh, linking to resources um, in the description of this episode. We are also pledging a portion of our Patreon income this month. Um, yes. Also, something that I learned this week yeah. is that Planned Parenthood, while a uh, wonderful organization, is not the fastest way to get uh, money to local abortion clinics, and it is more efficient to donate directly. So that, uh, so mm-hmm. we'll be linking to that, um, especially in states where uh, abortion is more difficult to access. Uh, yes. God, fucking damn it! Sorry. <laughs> it's just, we'll talk about it, but but this is uh, this is the unpregnant episode, and this is the Bechtel cast but what the heck is the Bechdel cast caitlin oh my i gosh, simply tell you forget. i forget it's our podcast in which we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechdel test simply as a jumping off point the Bechdel test of course being a media metric created by queer cartoonist allison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel wallace test mm-hmm. there are many versions of the test but the one that we currently use is as follows There must be two characters of a marginalized gender Mm -hmm. with names Mm -hmm. who speak to each other and their conversation has to be about something other than a man Mm -hmm. for two or more lines of dialogue. And ideally that exchange of dialogue is narratively impactful. Not going to be a problem today mm -mm. because uh, we are covering the movie Unpregnant. Uh, It is a recent movie. It came out in 2020 on HBO Max. Um, so, Caitlin, do you have uh, what's what's your history with this movie? I did see it right when it came out because mm-hmm. there was a quite a bit of buzz about it. It was released in I think September 2020, and a lot of listeners were like, mm-hmm. "Hey, the Bechdel cast should cover this," mm-hmm. and we're like, "Okay, we'll put it on the list. Yeah, our list of eight million things to cover." But so I did. I did see it. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't like it that much. Uh, I think that it's doing some really good things and other things. The execution is weird. So from a storytelling standpoint, from a like Bechdel cast standpoint, you know, there's there's some things. And you're and you're pro life. And of course, doesn't... I am anti-choice. Right, so, right, right. So. <laughs> so that I'm sure made it a difficult watch for you. Certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, yeah. No, like I, I think it's it's a, a really good premise with execution that misses the mark in some regards. But I think maybe the reason that we kind of didn't cover it right away is that uh, it wasn't yeah. necessarily the most uh, our favorite <laughs> our favorite um but yeah. it, it is a good conduit by which we can discuss current events so that's why we are covering it now yeah what is your relationship with it jamie uh literally identical saw it when it came out due to the buzz due to the listener interest also thought it was like a little all over the place it did i mean I, it made me fall in love with both of the lead actors of this movie Haley mm. richardson and barbie ferrer are so fun in this movie i feel like they are able to sell a lot of uh stuff that is not like just i don't know the pacing yeah. of this movie we we both think is weird but that's not really why we're here to talk about it even though we'll probably keep pointing it out because we're bitches uh but yeah no i was excited to see this movie come out i'm very glad it exists uh because i mean just in general there is uh a, a lot lacking when it comes to 
the representation of abortion in media in general, which we've discussed here and there on the show. Yeah, extensively. We've we covered uh, Obvious Child on the Matreon a couple years ago at this point. I don't really fully remember our discussion around it, but mm-hmm. I do remember that that movie is not my favorite. Like, I don't know, but there but there's so few options because abortion movies are so often spun as tragedy porn and like mm-hmm. I really appreciate that and you know appreciate it when it came out two years ago that this movie it's an abortion romp <laughs> while still hitting all the ap- appropriate you know points I feel like it treats the subject matter very respectfully right yeah it's a teen road trip abortion romp look I would be <laughs> down for another abortion romp same yeah it's this movie is uh, all over the place but uh, yeah as far as what it's trying to do I think it accomplishes the goal the performances are fun uh and then we we got a lot of other stuff to talk about but right that's why we're covering this movie it's I mean truly I think for our listeners nothing that uh, you're not familiar with already in terms Mm -hmm. of like why this is so horrible and why uh, people with uteruses having uh, less rights than two generations prior than them is uh, just absolutely fucked beyond belief. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing that this movie doesn't hit on that, I mean, it's not any one movie's responsibility to hit on everything, but I do think it's an important point to make in this conversation of um because this is a movie about a teenage girl an underage girl which is relevant to the law Mm -hmm. uh here is you know struggling to get access to an abortion without parental consent uh with Mm -hmm. extremely religious parents who probably would uh, not want to do that but i just think it's important to remember and point out that um the people who primarily suffer when abortion is outlawed are low-income people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess it, it becomes very much a an issue that's divided among class and race lines. And the further marginalized you are by American society, the less likely it is you will have access to a safe abortion. Right. So it affects everyone, but it also disproportionately affects marginalized people yeah low income yeah people of color uh cross class and race lines and it yeah there's we'll, we'll also link to resources on that that's i think just one of the one of the few important points about abortion that this movie didn't completely skip bring up <laughs> yes yeah uh so i just wanted to put that right at the top and i think i'm I'm just gonna i'm just gonna read it because that it uh unfortunately this lindy west quote goes viral every couple of months uh when they try to repeal Mm -hmm. (laughs) roe v wade every couple of months but it is i mean lindy west is brilliant and i uh just want to read it here before we get into uh Duncan on the movie, which is what we're uh, good at. Uh, So this is Lindy West on The Daily Show a couple of years ago, I believe. She says this, quote, anti-choice people are not trying to stop abortion. They are trying to legislate who can and cannot have abortions because conservative politicians, their wives and mistresses and daughters are always going to be able to get an abortion somewhere. 
All criminalizing abortion will do is keep people trapped in poverty for generations. That's the goal. And if it wasn't the goal, they would spend their time and money on comprehensive sex education, free birth control, and free contraception, unquote. Yes. Yeah. No notes, and I'm upset. It's a very upsetting time in the world. Yeah. Should I recap Unpregnant? (laughs) Yeah. All right. We open on Veronica, played by Haley Lou Richardson. She is taking a pregnancy test in the bathroom at her high school. A girl walks into the bathroom while this is happening. This girl is Bailey, played by Barbie Ferreira. We learn that Veronica and Bailey used to be best friends, but had a falling out at some point. The test turns out to be positive veronica is pregnant or pregnant she She, i was gonna say this movie is even though we're like even in the depths of hell the movie is called ungregnant it is called ungregnant that's just a fact it was embarrassing i mean and i didn't want it because it is like it's a movie that you want to root for but there it was embarrassing that literally all the marketing materials were misspelled yeah it's not a good look it's not a good look, everyone. Uh, the movie is called Ungregnant. They're saying they, it wrong the whole movie. They messed up. It's spelled wrong on the poster. I bet it's spelled <laughs> wrong. I like, uh, hello. Yeah. Why didn't you call us to consult? Because that would have been our only note. <laughs> exactly. Find and replace Preg with Greg. Thank but, you. <laughs> that scene where they're on the ride at the carnival and uh-huh. Veronica is screaming, I'm pregnant. She kept messing that line read up. She should have been screaming, I'm pregnant. I was like, don't we have another take of that where she's saying the line correctly? It's yeah, I we're guess not. gay and pregnant. <laughs> we're gay and we're pregnant. But yeah, I mean, the alliteration. That scene should have been really hilarious and empowering, but I couldn't get past the distraction of, of, the, of the line being said wrong over and over. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well. <laughs> So she uh, is confirmed to be pregnant. Uh, apparently the condoms she used with her boyfriend, Kevin, were not mm-hmm. 100% effective. Mm-hmm. Veronica is freaking out. She goes home and researches getting an abortion and learns that because she's in Missouri and she's under 18, uh, I believe she's 17, mm-hmm. she would need her parents' permission to have an abortion, which she can't ask for because her parents are conservative and religious the closest place where she would not need parental consent as a minor to get an abortion is albuquerque new mexico which is a roughly 15 hour drive from where she lives i believe this is all um accurate <laughs> Still, so far so good present. yeah sadly yeah unfortunately Uh, Veronica packs a bag and tells her mom that she's going to spend the weekend with her friends studying. She goes to her friend's place, but it turns out that someone had found her pregnancy test at school in the dumpster, Mm -hmm. and all of her friends are speculating on who it belongs to. So Veronica, realizing her friends are going to be very judgy, decides not to tell them that it's her who is pregnant. Sorry? She, Sorry, pregnant. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You sound like Haley Richardson. It's embarrassing. (laughs) 
She does tell her boyfriend, Kevin, and he responds by asking her to marry him and then reveals that around a month ago, after they were done having sex, he noticed that the condom had broken but didn't tell her. She's very upset by this and storms out. Yeah. Parts parts of this scene uh, work for me. Others, I'm like, what is going on at this definitely mm. not an Olive Garden? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So side note, Jamie and I and our friend Bryant are in a group chat called Olive Garden Friends. Yes. And He's texting as us we right speak now. at this very moment, Bryant is texting us from the Olive Garden Friends group chat probably asking us to go to olive garden i'm guessing he's trying to get us to though it's even more embarrassing he's trying to get us to join his amc a-list entourage (laughs) (laughs) which i will which i oh i'm literally doing it right now this is god our lives are quite frankly embarrassing but i we're we're real good at it we're We're, doing we're so good okay so Then Veronica goes to Bailey and asks if she will drive Veronica to Albuquerque. Bailey agrees. They leave that night. That was one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Barbie Ferreira is so funny and charming where Mm -hmm. she's that thing where she slams the door in her face and then she opens the door again. She's like, I was kidding. I do not have anything going on. Right. (laughs) It's so funny. I love her. Yep. Very good. So they set off. They stop at a pawn shop so that Veronica can pawn the engagement ring that Kevin gave her. But he shows up because he was following her. Yeah, because he's a stalker, but it's a joke, but it's not. But you're just like, hello? What? Mm. The Kevin character is all over the place. Yeah. Anyways. It's, uh, (laughs) we need to talk about Kevin and we will. We... Wow. Mm. Wow. We do need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. I'm, I'm also someday we're going to have to cover a Kevin Smith movie and then we're, and then we're really going to need to talk about Kevin. Oh my gosh. There's going to come a day when we're going to need to talk about <sighs> Kevin. Who else were the other Kevins? Kevin Costner movie. Ke- we need oh. to talk about that Kevin. Pass. I hate him so much. He's like my least favorite Hollywood figure. Wait, who's the Kevin I like? Kevin Klein. I like Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein is, is good. A Fish Called Wanda is a fun movie. We don't need to talk about that, Kevin, but I, but I would <laughs> be happy to. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, okay. ranking my Kevins. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> An important aspect of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Kevin was stalking Veronica, but they get rid of him and continue on their way. Along the way, Veronica and Bailey start to bond and rekindle their friendship a bit. But Bailey also judges Veronica for the person she's become. She's become this like kind of like sheeple carbon copy of all the popular girls that she's friends with. It's a classic. It's, you know, that thing that happens in every movie. Right. Where one change, but one is computer <laughs> video game. Uh-huh. One's a video yeah. game and one's a book. And that's not uh-huh. cool. No. And you changed. Yeah. Because Star Trek. And I was like, all right, right, now we're talking. Now we're talking. She's like, we used to speak Klingon together. And now we don't speak Klingon together. Because, because you're, you're too, too busy, busy doing your homework, question mark. <laughs> right. Anyways, who knows? <laughs> who knows? The next morning, they set off again, a bit behind schedule. They make a pit stop for some food. And Veronica reveals that she hasn't made an appointment yet to get the abortion. 
Bailey reveals that the car they're driving, she stole from her mom's boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and the cops are following them because of this stolen vehicle, so they have to bail and abandon the car. But some friends that they met at the diner where they stopped... Um, yeah, they meet when he starts sexually harassing them, but then he quickly becomes a hero and their friend. Um, there's a whole thing to talk about with this character, but this guy named Gerard and his friends kind of swoop in and give them a ride to these fairgrounds that are near a bus stop. Mm-hmm. There at the fair slash derby center, they meet Kira Matthews who is this derby racer lady who Bailey develops an instant crush on. Mm-hmm. Bailey comes out to Veronica. There's discussion to be had about this whole situation, but um, yep. they ride a carnival ride and scream about how they are gay and pregnant, but then again, uh, Haley Richardson gets the line wrong. Then this married couple... Kate and Mark, played by Sugarland Beard and Brecken Meyer. You're like, what? Huh? This What's is Brecken where doing things. <laughs> the suspension of disbelief you have to do from this I point mean, onward. It's a road trip movie, but it's just like, wow. We're yeah. They really, uh, they really take it to. I think the second they like ditch a car at a diner in Texas, right. you're just like, all right. Well, I guess. The movie, the part of the movie that made sense to me uh, has ended. It has ceased to exist. <laughs> this, honestly, this script felt like, also there's five credited writers, which is usually indication that like, you know, there's a lot of ideas and inconsistencies and things all mashed together. Yeah. This felt like a second draft of a script and it needed like a fourth or fifth draft so yeah and it's a bummer because it's uh, a lot of a lot of good writers including uh jennifer caton robinson who wrote someone great she also Mm -hmm. is a credited writer on upcoming thor love and thunder yeah maybe they weren't given enough time question mark i read i read that the director rachel lee goldenberg who's also a credited writer um that this movie was made on a very 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 tight turnaround it it shows You're so mean. Uh, I am mean. But I'm so mean about this. Let me defend myself here. I think a a fun romp, like road trip romp, about girls trying to access an abortion is such a great premise. Oh, for sure. And if executed well, it it could be a movie that like people want to revisit over and over for years to come because there's a lot of value in a very good movie that also makes an important statement. But if a movie is just sort of like executed, not that well, and it's not going to like, it doesn't really stand a chance of being like a cultural touchstone when a movie like this should be a cultural touchstone. And I know, but that's a lot of pressure to put on one movie just because it's sure. about abortion. Fair. I do believe that there's better movies to come that could take a concept like this and hopefully have the time and money to make a meal of it. Yeah, because it does, like, at some point just take a turn for the bizarre in a way that does <laughs> feel like Pineapple Expressy, I guess, where you're just, or like hangovery, where you're like, okay, they're mm. just, this is just like we're going from set piece to set piece and where there's going to be a lot of character actors. And there's going to be a lot of really dangerous crimes that are supposed to be funny. And, you know, 
I don't know. Yeah. Once the <laughs> once the car thing happens, I'm just like, oh, this is not the grounded indie road trip movie I thought I was watching. Right. I still haven't seen Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. I think that might be a more grounded and probably less like fun tonally. Yeah. But just like a more grounded, probably better executed version of this premise. But I, again, cannot really speak to it because I have not seen it but we should consider covering that one at some point too we should hey i mean they're they're you know they'll be they'll be back for our rights so there's always going to be <laughs> they're never going to opportunities stop. yeah yeah yeah. so uh yeah don't you worry <laughs> it's on this it's is on so the docket depressing. oh god i know i know oh, sorry if we sound weird today uh sorry it's not great it's not our fault. Also, the I will I will say uh, one of my least favorite things about this movie is the tagline, which is uh, "She's a Type A without a Plan B." <laughs> I was mm. like, I mean, it's not the worst, but I don't hate it. I <laughs> she's a Type A without a Plan B. It's like, but they didn't spell ungregnant right. Yeah. What? Um, Mistakes. Anyways, right. yeah, Breckin Meyer, Breckin Meyer and, and his wife. Breckin Meyer approaches you at a county fair in Texas. W Y D. Get in his car. He's like, "Hey, I overheard that you need a ride to New Mexico. We're headed there, and they offer Bailey and Veronica a ride, which they accept. But before they head off, Bailey and Kira meet up at the fair." They kiss. Yeah. And then Veronica and Bailey leave with this married couple who have a baby. So they seem harmless. That's why they, you know, accept the ride, this ride from strangers. Uh But this couple turns out to be these anti-choice crusaders who had actually overheard them talking about Veronica getting an abortion and making the appointment, which another suspension of disbelief thing that I'm just like, how did they hear what no <laughs> anyway it's really confusing they so then they kind of abduct veronica and bailey but it's like a funny abduction it's a it's so wild and zany <sighs> they steal the couple's suv and escape but Brecken meyer chases them in their scary anti-abortion rv they manage to get away and they head to a nearby town and find this guy bob played by giancarlo esposito yeah so you're like oh we're just we're just going they're like okay breckenmeyer uh tapping him out let's tap giancarlo esposito in <laughs> like it's just a car it, it is like a character actor relay race at some point yeah truly yep <laughs> Yeah, Bob owns a limousine service and he takes them the rest of the way to Albuquerque. But on the way, Veronica and Bailey get in a fight because Veronica said some shitty things about Bailey to her friends on the phone that Bailey overhears. Mm -hmm. So Bailey storms off, but Veronica tracks her down again. Turns out Bailey had gone to her dad's plant shop in Albuquerque because she wants to reconnect with him. But he blows Bailey off a la Kim Cattrall blowing Britney Spears off in Crossroads. Whoa. Hello. I, okay. I did not. Thank you. Thank you for the Crossroads representation. <laughs> I literally. Okay. So uh, fun fact about me. I do work with mostly men at my day job, you know, and that's brave of me. And I tried so to contextualize something. I was pitching for an outline the other day in the context of Crossroads and yeah, how did that go? They, 
Useless. They loved it. Useless. <laughs> they, they were like, we, it's our favorite movie. We love it so much. Why isn't it easier to access? Uh, Shanta's early work is so underrated. They all said mm. that in unison. Yeah, they of were, course. They were like, isn't that a store? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, isn't that a thrift shop? All right. Dudes rock. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Bailey's trying to reconnect with her dad, but he's being an asshole. So Veronica calls him out, tells him how awesome Bailey is, and then she tases him. (laughs) She sure does. Then they go the rest of the way to the clinic where... I'm just glad they used the taser because it was like a Chekhov's taser situation. It was a Chekhov's taser, certainly, and that's how they decided to use it. Good for them. Yep. Um, They go the rest of the way to the clinic where Kevin, Veronica's boyfriend, has shown up again. (laughs) She breaks up with him once and for all. And then Veronica has her abortion. It all goes well, but they need to get back home. So Veronica has to call her mom who arranges for them to fly back to Missouri. When Veronica gets home, she and her mom have a talk. Her mom is disappointed that Veronica had an abortion, but she still loves and supports her. And then the next day at school, Veronica tells her friends that it was her pregnancy test. And then she ditches them to sit with Bailey at lunch. The end. Woohoo! Ungregnant. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after these i feel like robert products and services <laughs> products products witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. And we're back. We are back. All right. So I guess it probably makes the most sense to start by talking about how this movie treats the subject of abortion. Um, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the, the plot of the movie hinges on the fact that access to abortion is often limited because our society does not like it when people with uteruses have bodily autonomy. So the movie becomes commentary on how unjust and ridiculous and harmful limited access is. Yes. Um, One thing that I liked about... So, again, I think my my biggest criticism of how this movie handles the topic of abortion is it makes just no reference to what we were talking about earlier of how people with uteruses who are marginalized by race and class tend to be disproportionately affected by this issue. Uh, Something Mm -hmm. that even if Haley Richardson is the protagonist of this movie, even though I would argue she's not like the best candidate for it, but even if she is like, there was room in the story for that. Like (laughs) you could cut so many things in favor of finding Mm -hmm. a, a way to make that very important point there are other areas that i thought the movie was more effective on um i always get i mean we've talked about this anytime there's a movie about teen girls they have to be like middle to upper middle class uh or will will simply die uh this happens with very little exception Mm -hmm. we do see that bailey's character is uh being raised by a single mom yeah uh, and that becomes important to her story But still, in general, this is like a middle class story. And, you know, when Bailey does need to be bailed out by her parents financially, it's not a problem. It's more of a beliefs issue, which is something I thought was good. We're like in the character of, oh, sorry, I meant Veronica, not Bailey. Mm -mm. (sighs) It's sorry. We we understand. (laughs) Losing my rights over here. Give me a break. (laughs) Um, But I did like that. In one character, the story was able to incorporate how she is struggling to access abortion because of where she lives and because of the laws of where she lives and Mm -hmm. what an absurd distance. And this is like all true that an underage person would need to go to to get an abortion without the consent 
of their parents. I thought mm-hmm. that that point was like they really hammer it home in that scene on the train tracks right. where she's basically giving like a speech at the Senate. Uh, a soliloquy. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. But it's effective. Like for, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I wish I had heard stuff like that when I was a teenager. Like you could sure. argue it's a little overwrought, but for what it is, I'm like, it's all effective. Sure. Um, and also it manages to um, kind of tie in the theme of parents that would not consent mm-hmm. and having to navigate that. And, and I, I thought, you know, for all the weirdness that happens in the trip, I thought that that worked of like Veronica, um, even though she needs help getting back home, she knows that she needs to get there and get her abortion before her parents can be involved. And it has to be like the whole story is driven by her desire to get an abortion Mm -hmm. and uh, well, not desire, whatever. She she wants to get an abortion. She knows it's the right choice for her. Yeah. And her parents just can't be involved because of their beliefs. Right. So, yeah, I, I thought it managed to get a lot of common issues with abortion access in, but also missed some glaring ones. Glaring ones. ones. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because it's like, yes, Veronica has to travel close to 300 miles to be able to access an abortion. But the movie does feel like it kind of reeks with white privilege that the movie does not interrogate anyway uh money is not really an obstacle for her she starts out with i think a thousand dollars and then gets an additional 1300 after pawning the ring the ring was such a contrivance i was so annoyed by the ring i was like what's happening but yeah i mean it's like unequivocally true that black and hispanic people are most affected if Roe v. Wade is overturned yeah. and that is just not a uh, space that is made in the movie. Certainly not. However, I would say that the way the movie handles other aspects of abortion, I thought were generally very positive and yeah. handled well in the sense that when Veronica finally does get to the clinic to have the abortion, the movie like walks you through via voiceover and visuals mm-hmm. what one can expect from the procedure. You know, it's like you change into the gown, you get the vaginal ultrasound, they'll draw some blood, they'll hook you up to an IV, you'll sit in a waiting room with other people who are waiting for the same procedure, you go in for surgery, the anesthesiologist will put you under. The doctor will insert a wand to remove the fetus. It'll be done in 10 minutes. You'll wake up in the recovery room. Like walking through someone step by step, especially someone who's never had an abortion or like a teenager who mm-hmm. is maybe terrified at the idea of it because there's so much misinformation out there and so much rhetoric about how evil and awful and scary and violent and murderous abortion is that the right perpetuates so like yeah if a teen is seeing this or like just any young person or a teen's parents too i mean i True. really do think like there's been so much generational misinformation about abortions where i know like in conversations i've had with older women and older people in general in my life that 
even though they are pro-choice, I think that they have some anxiety around what abortion entails that is based on like fear-mongering from their generation, right. from when Roe v. Wade was passed the first time, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I, I think that like truly anyone could benefit from watching that. And I, I have a quote from the uh, director here because I thought that, the, yeah, that part was obviously, I feel like the most important part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it seems like they took a lot of care with it. Yeah. So the director, uh, Rachel Lee Goldenberg, mm-hmm. had this to say in an interview with awardsdaily.com. Yep. Scholarly journal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awardsdaily.com. She says, quote, I've had an abortion, but I had a pill abortion. This was new information to me, which is wild. I had this moment where I knew I wanted to do something special when I came on board. It wasn't fully fleshed out in the script yet. I went with my writing partner on a tour of Planned Parenthood in Los Angeles and asked the nurses to walk us through it. It made me realize how much I didn't know, and that fascinated me. It struck me that in the moment, we couldn't spend that much time with this young woman and send her behind a wall. It feels like she has come to this place where she has said the word abortion, and she is confident in her choice. So what do we have to be ashamed about now? As an audience, we should be on this journey with her. As I was going through all the rooms, I had no idea there were so many. I should show people that. Most importantly, it comes from a character place, and this is what Veronica is going through, unquote. Mm -hmm. So... Like that's uh that's lovely because that's like I think that you know even even people who support the right to abortion don't necessarily know what it entails and I would uh, yeah. include myself in that Same. in certain respects so good scene yeah ten out of ten <laughs> I f- I found it informative and and helpful and aesthetically pleasing it's it's pretty it's calm yep it's you know the voiceover is very calming yeah just representation on screen of an abortion taking place that isn't like scary that isn't a character panicking and freaking out uh i'm reminded of that scene from blue valentine that we discussed recently where Mm -hmm. the character seems in pain and then freaks out and then stops the abortion mid-procedure so i just i appreciate just showing an abortion as a medical procedure that is quick and not necessarily a horribly traumatic experience and i feel like it it kind of without even having to but that speaks to the point of like how important it is to have access to safe abortions too because veronica has to travel you know a thousand miles to have a safe abortion that her parents don't have to consent to which should not be the case i mean she states it very on the nose and broadly Mm -hmm. in that scene on the train tracks where it's like why do I need my parents' permission to get an abortion, but I don't need my parents' permission to have a Greg uh, to, <laughs> uh-huh. to to shove a Greg through my bodily canals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like seeing seeing um, seeing her get a safe abortion that she's, you know, very comfortable with, which is I think yet another thing that Blue Valentine uh, fucked up. And and we've been hearing that point a lot this week, and it's something we've heard in the past because it is true that, you know, abortion being made illegal or far more difficult to access is not going to end abortions. It's just going to make them less safe exactly. for people who need them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think seeing her finally get access to a safe abortion that she is 
you know, there's, there's never, I, and I think that that's like smart writing as well, where, where she's never unwavering on her, on what she knows is, is the right decision for her. Yes. It's just all the other stuff that is <laughs> weird. Right. Right. It, like everything is surrounding this specific abortion for this specific character i think is handled well the lead up to it they they managed to work in some important statistics into the dialogue i thought you were talking about the weird stuff oh no 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 they do like they do you know they say like at the fair they're like it's simply a medical procedure one in four you know they say women i would say people with uteruses have an abortion mm-hmm. you know breck and meyer is like did you know that having an abortion uh will reduce your chances of getting pregnant later on and veronica is like no that is completely false so and then breck and meyer went oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> i'll leave now um so there's like some good facts oh, and pregnant. stats about abortions that uh they work into the dialogue yeah in sometimes clunky ways other times more seamless ways it feels a little edutainment at times sure but the info is good right 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 and then the aftermath of the abortion where you know uh veronica comes out with a spring in her step she she seems to be feeling well she tells bailey that she feels relieved she tells her mom later on like i i know i'm supposed to probably feel bad about this abortion but i don't feel bad at all i know that i made the right choice for me and even though her mom says well i'm disappointed like veronica never apologizes or kind of wavers in her feelings of this was definitely the right choice for me so to have all of that represented on screen is great and i think the the movie's strongest element i agree i agree and i did um i was also interested to read in that same interview with the uh director rachel lee goldenberg that um there were multiple options of how to kind of land the plane on uh, Veronica's relationship with her mom at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I do kind of, I think for what the movie is and what the tone of the movie is, I, I like where it landed because it felt a little soapy, but without being like completely unrealistic. Cause when she got home, I was like, it would be weird to me if the mom was just, I mean, it would be great in the life of this fictional character. If her mom was like, it's totally okay. I totally accept you. Like, yeah that is what you would want as a teenager Mm -hmm. but i like that it was it felt more grounded in a way that the vast majority of the movie doesn't where her mom says i think that the the line is something like i would not have made that choice that is not the choice that your sister made because we learned at the beginning that her sister also um had a child relatively young Mm -hmm. and it just sounds like the mom is you know, kind of starting a journey, I would hope, towards being able to respect a person's right to choose what to do with their fucking body. Um, and I and I would hope that that is something that, like, I think that that's a useful scene potentially for, for older people to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of thought that was a cool choice. Yeah, I think it, it tracked for me. It, it played pretty realistic in a movie that often um, abandons 
realism. Um, the whole second act is like uh, it takes place on a different planet, but then it comes back to the planet, the right, right, planet right. for the third act. I have complicated feelings about it because on one hand, I like that this movie is tonally very light and a romp. Yes. Not to say that like getting an abortion is a fun romp, but I think that this movie's lighthearted tone helps take away a lot of the scariness and you know apprehension that some people might feel around getting an abortion but there's a lot of (laughs) instances where uh the movie gets very cartoonish in a way that i had difficulty suspending my disbelief for it's so the second act of this movie is so weird and all over the place. Uh, yeah, did you have anything else to sort of talk about about the uh, fairly grounded third act of the movie? Because I don't think we so. can get into the we can get into the fun stuff now. Sure, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then dive in. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we're back. Uh, yeah, where would you like to start? I said the fun stuff. It's not all it's fun. It's not. There, <laughs> there is some stuff that I would say. I would say the whole <laughs> Breckenmeyer portion of the movie like I can't even get mad about it. I'm just like that. What a weird way to frame an abduction. I... <laughs> like it's so goofy that I'm. I don't. I'm. I can't in good faith be like, that's bad for the youth of the world. It's like <laughs> I just think it's just like kind of weirdly written and like why. Yeah, it's I like all all well and good. It makes sense that they're traveling, you know, through the deep south. It makes sense that they would potentially meet uh, people who are not in favor of the right to an abortion. It makes sense as an obstacle in this story. Yeah. But the execution <laughs> is what I think not really doing much or it's no, it's I, I would I would say it's doing a lot. Uh, well, doing much as far as like doing... effective oh. commentary. Oh yeah, no, no zero. <laughs> but uh, but was I laughing? Kind of, uh... but I was just like confused. I you know I like Brecken a lot. He's in Josie and the Pussycats. But that, that sequence was so. Yeah, I worked with him on Robot Chicken. He's the best. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Right, right, right. But that that whole sequence was very very strange. I didn't understand. Uh, <laughs> there. What what are other stuff that is like? I don't have really a. There's just so many set pieces of this movie that you're like. There's... What? Okay, actually, we need to talk about Kevin. Okay, let's talk about. We Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> where where to begin uh, with? On one hand, I guess the the positive thing about Kevin's involvement in the story is that he is a creepy, stalkery, manipulative boyfriend who is actually framed as having those toxic qualities since a lot of teen movies yeah. have historically presented those behaviors and traits as being romantic so at least yes it doesn't do that i do like that i like the line that that uh barbie ferrara says where she's like yeah that say anything stuff like i thought that that you know that worked well when right. she was like yeah he kept asking me to go out with him until i said yes and barbie ferrara's like uh that's Stocks? That's Stocking. what a stalker does? And yeah, she's Veronica's like, he stood outside my window all night one night. And Barbie's like, yeah, say anything made that seem cute, but it's called stalking. I just think that when it comes to we need to talk about Kevin, uh, <laughs> I just felt like where Veronica and Bailey tend to be pretty grounded characters, I did not find Kevin to be a very rounded character and i think it would have been more effective commentary if he were because he does come off a little cartoony yes where it's not that he's not doing things that young men often do in this situation right which is be conditioned to be like you know we have to settle down together and like you know acting mm -hmm. like they're living a hundred years ago right that like for sure happens stalking certainly happens mm -hmm. predatory creepy behaviors in relationships certainly happen but the way it's written and framed and like it just felt goofy and cartoony and I just didn't think it, it didn't land for me yeah 
he just seemed like a character that was written to say a bunch of stuff that men say in these situations. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was, like, patriarchy the guy of this right. movie. Right, Yeah. In, in a very, like, one-dimensional way, rather than being a character that felt like a real person who also may say those things, but just, I don't know if it was the performance or just, like, the lack of development put into this character, but it did feel too cartoonish to feel like it was making any kind of effective commentary yeah I think it was like it was a lot of stuff going on but I will okay I want to I want to put that on wax and make that an official Bechtel cast canon patriarchy the guy as Uh a stock character (laughs) (laughs) because I always understand where it's coming from and I uh, rarely find it to be effective same it's never just one guy never just one guy and again even if they're even if you do have a character that represents a lot of ideology perpetuated by the patriarchy sure it still needs to be like handled in a way that makes sense we live in a society for crying out loud Mm. if if you got patriarchy the guy i want to know how he became patriarchy the guy he wasn't born patriarchy the guy tell you that much (laughs) Uh, i don't know why i'm upset uh i think i'm just hungry um same we need to talk about kevin yeah that i i I support the spirit of it i didn't uh, think it was executed in a way that uh made sense uh what about uh what about dad tasing how do we feel about dad tasing i didn't uh that didn't uh, work for me either (laughs) nope um that did not work for me i would say it plays into some tropes too like i don't know there was that there was also there's a scene where like bailey notices a cop following them and then they just veer off the road in a way that makes them seem extremely suspicious but then the cop is like well doesn't everything turn on the wee woo wee woo which they famously (laughs) are obsessed with the i don't understand why veronica wasn't more panicked right when barbie Ferrera did that she's just like Oh, yeah, I guess let's get breakfast. Like, right. And she's just like, yeah, it sounds great. There's a couple different times where like there is a problem presented and then it immediately goes away, which I just always I'm like, man, <laughs> like when they wake up late in the middle of the desert and they're like, we're going to be late. And then it's followed by a montage of them like kind of hanging out, and, like feeding animals. And I was oh, like, so they're not late. Right. So they're on time. Lounging at a diner. So why did that happen? <laughs> if that would happen, you would starve or go to a McDonald's come on similarly there's a scene where veronica comes back to the limo after she and bailey have had this big fight where bailey storms off and bob is fixing the limo because it has broken down Uh and she's like well what the heck what how long is this gonna take and then he's like oh just 20 minutes and then cut to them in the limo driving off again so So it's like like why did you okay this wasn't an obstacle then then. so cut it out of the script (laughs) yeah there was a lot of stuff like that the whole just the timeline of the entire story didn't make any sense it seemed like sometimes it would be like midnight but then they were at a fair and then they were like okay let's drive for four more hours to albuquerque or it would be like five o'clock in the morning and they're like hurry we have to drive four hours to get to the appointment at 8 a.m yeah you know just like all this stuff that made no sense yeah their money and the way money was spent was so bizarre to me they didn't use google maps on their phones the entire time 
Uh, what? <laughs> I don't. That is like a major. Uh, I mean, I still believe that we as a society have not figured out how to effectively put phones in media. And anytime <laughs> you hear like, whoop, I'm like something annoying is about to happen. And it's always like they they do the Jane the Virgin thing where it's like the text appears alongside the head. You're like, I guess this is about as well as we can do. Mm-hmm. But it always feels cheesy. And 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 then to write around that by being like, she she's a book, so she printed a map. I'm like, why are we using a map? What are you what? doing? You don't know what turns to make and what exits to take when you print out a map that spans 300 miles like there aren't enough details whatever yeah more importantly uh, i would like to talk about the way queerness is handled in the movie sure so they're at the fair veronica senses that bailey might like girls which she kind of like coaxes out of her Mm -hmm. which i would say maybe not the best approach especially since they're not really friends anymore and maybe they're not close anymore yeah bailey does not want to slash is not ready to come out to veronica but eventually bailey nonchalantly says like yeah i like girls no big deal Mm -hmm. and then veronica assumes that she's the first person that bailey came out to and bailey's like no i've been out to my mom for years plus this list of other people which i didn't mind it was nice to like that yeah we didn't have to have like a yes, this is my secret and and I'm finally coming out and like all the, the ways that that's often weirdly handled in, in media. So I'm glad we avoided that. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think that that is like something Barbie Ferreira has also spoken about, mm. like wanting to see more of because uh, Barbie is a uh, queer woman herself. Yes. And seems like that's like something that she appreciates in a character. So I was all for that. It's like just the one offline you're like okay that works right um what i am more concerned about is the kind of brief romance between bailey and kira i am glad that the script gave some real estate to a queer relationship but i felt weird about it because bailey is still in high school presumably the same age as veronica 17 yeah 17 and kira seems to be pretty significantly older she and all her friends, I think, are at least 21 because we see them, like, drinking alcohol in public that they seem to have legally purchased. Yeah. There's other indicators that I'm like, Kira is, like, 25 at least. It just would have been, like, I, again, it's, it's, and we see this, that feels like uh, it's falling back on just a general teen movie trope. Yeah. Where that's, how many times have you seen that in, uh, like, hetero context in a teen movie like that's mm-hmm. just a classically bad trope that you would think this movie would have thought what to avoid yeah like why couldn't they just meet another high schooler at the fucking fair it's actually Literally statistically more likely that you would so easy such an easy choice to make why and you could have the doing the derby whatever that's called yeah but like why not you're in texas that's probably <laughs> that's a thing that's how I, what i picture teenagers in texas doing i'm like they're they driving soap blockers around i yeah. don't know not my business <laughs> they're driving mad max fury road vehicles around a track of course yeah i was like it looks fucking cool like <laughs> no disrespect uh before all of our listeners from texas are like <laughs> mad at me uh but yeah i mean i just think that that character i i think that it may have just been that the movie wanted to cast Betty Who, who is like this iconic queer singer who yeah. plays the role, mm-hmm. which 
for sure. Like Betty, who is awesome. However, yeah, I think that like this movie seems very vested in steering clear of teen movie tropes. And so having a teenager hook up with someone who seemed to be well into young adulthood felt like a very clear mistake really icky and especially because queerness is so infrequently represented in this genre in a meaningful way it Mm -hmm. feels like an even bigger fumble for sure especially because what happens after they meet and have flirted a little bit they're in like a ball pit or something and kira turns into a music video (laughs) kira does ask for consent to kiss bailey which great always get consent But then Bailey is like, I've never kissed anyone before. And like 27 year old Kira should have been like, oh, actually, maybe I shouldn't kiss this stranger. She keeps getting older in your mind. (laughs) She she ages in dog years. In her mid to late 20s. She should have been like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't kiss this stranger after all, who is clearly a teenager. So that makes it seem like there's this kind of like predatory lesbian trope happening right. and, and it just like, felt really icky it just it's like just cast someone else all due respect to yeah. betty who because it's like you don't want you know i i want barbie to get her first kiss sure but like from a high school from another like, 17 year old like yeah that was not hard to do at the very least it is queer characters played by queer actors since both uh barbie Ferreira and betty who are queer but and it's like you know barbie ferrera is like 25 like it in terms of like production wise it's all above board in the story it doesn't work yes exactly so again great idea of like a queer teen getting her first kiss but the execution and that's not to say that you know teenagers don't sometimes get their first kiss from someone who is technically a legal adult i don't always like feel super comfortable gatekeeping like a 17 year old can't kiss a 18 and a half year old like stuff like that mm. like obviously like it's a lived experience thing i but because it's like a movie and it seems to be a significant age gap right that, that is more where i have the issue sure yeah so uh yeah i i also made a note of that mm-hmm. but you know barbie ferrera and betty who relationship irl i would take it fine fine by me why not <laughs> i also went to examine so we've already discussed how the movie fails to acknowledge in any meaningful way that women of color are disproportionately affected by limited access to abortion There's another way in which race is very mishandled. Yeah. So in general, the characters of color, whether it's like Veronica's friends who we meet at the beginning and end, whether it's the people who Veronica and Bailey meet along the way of this road trip. Right. Because there's a woman who owns a pawn shop. Yeah. Is a black woman who pulls a shotgun on We Need to Talk About Kevin. Right. You have the Giancarlo Esposito character Mm -hmm. um, who is also a gun loving eccentric like a what's the oh my god what's the huanani kind of (laughs) yeah a libertarian Uh, libertarian. type yes yeah and then you have the was the character's name gerard gerard yeah who is presented as a predatory character who's harassing them and then becomes their friend and i don't know how much of that is a failure of writing how much of that is a failure of 
casting. Right. Because I would argue that those characters don't necessarily seem like they're written to be any particular race. Exactly. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack about that. Yeah. So in general, the, the people of color just serve as scenery in this white story or like helpers of the white characters. Yeah. Um, white or white passing. Right. Gerard is one of the only black characters in the movie. And he's also the character that draws a lot of attention to himself and creates a diversion when cops in Texas come looking for whoever stole this vehicle. That was like so fucking bizarre. It feels like one of those things where, like you said, the character probably wasn't specifically written as black, but a black actor was cast in that role. But the script wasn't changed in any way to reflect the actions or choices that a black person would most likely make. Um, I want to cite this great article I found written by Kendall Cunningham entitled Colorblind Justice, Unpregnant is Too White to be Revolutionary uh, from Bitch Media. I'll just read a few quotes and do some some paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. Kendall says, Quote, while Unpregnant succeeds in illustrating a larger thesis about the state-sanctioned roadblocks to abortion, it fails at developing its supporting characters, specifically black people, who rescue Veronica and Bailey from peril and help them reach their destination. It's hard to tell whether these one-dimensional characters of black people as benevolent saviors are part of a broad message about prejudice that the writers failed to develop, or the result of colorblind casting with no consideration of the stereotypes and problematic tropes being invoked. By the end of the otherwise charming and well-written film, I felt annoyed and exhausted by displays of empathy and sacrifice that so often go unthanked and unreturned by white people, particularly when it comes to the larger political issue of reproductive justice in the United States. Right. Uh, Kendall goes on to discuss how all of the black characters from Peg in the pawn shop, Gerard in the diner, Bob the limo driver, all exist in this narrative only to help this white girl on her journey. Right. And are like making personal sacrifices to often help her when she does have access to like other options. It's, right. Uh, it's really because the pawn shop owner overpays her for her ring. The Giancarlo mm. Esposito character. Also, canonically, this was bothering me. They would have been getting to the limo place at like six in the morning. And That's he was like saying. up and running a limo company. What are you talking about? The but timeline he drops everything. He's like, my business is canceled because a, a, a white teenage girl needs something. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, egregious. And then, and the- I think that my, my guess is that it's there are five white writers on this movie right yeah (laughs) that didn't uh take things into consideration that they should have considered um the most egregious example for me was the gerard scene in which kendall has this to say quote at no point in the scene and this is again the scene where gerard creates a diversion so to distract the cops Mm-hmm. Uh, quote at no point in the scene does it feel as if director Rachel Lee Goldenberg understands the racial tension and potential dangerous situation she's representing on screen it's hard to believe that a black man in Texas surrounded by cops would risk his freedom and possibly his life to help two white teenagers get away with a crime 
even in the seemingly harmless form of patriotic expression. In a moment meant to be humorous and charming, Gerard comes off as an eager puppet for white people, unquote. Um, and then I'll just, I'll share, cause I will, we'll link this, this, uh, piece by Kendall Cunningham mm-hmm. in all of the stuff, but, uh, I just found it very insightful. The last thing I'll quote is this quote. It seems as if unpregnant is trying to create a larger point about white folks perception of other white folks as immediately trustworthy and well-meaning, um, parentheses this is caitlin talking like the way that they immediately trust breck and meyer and family right um, versus they they don't trust gerard right away also he, the movie frames him as not trustworthy right, right away because he <laughs> hits on them yeah and he makes them uncomfortable yeah right so back to the quote um White people's perceptions of other white folks uh, as immediately trustworthy and well-meaning versus their perceptions of black people as threatening and unapproachable. If inserted on purpose, this idea rings true, but is riddled with notions of respectability, particularly the idea that black people should be respected because we might not be as hostile as white people may assume us to be. There's also the fact that black people hardly receive the unmitigated compassion and support when it comes to accessing healthcare as white characters like Veronica do. Mm-hmm. Kendall goes on to say, if only unpregnant leaned into this irony a bit more, its black characters may not have seemed as detached from reality. Overall, the off-putting racial elements in unpregnant mostly made me long for more modern portrayals of black people getting abortions in film, whose geography and economic status often impede their ability to terminate pregnancies as well. Unquote. So, yes. shout out to that piece written by Kendall Cunningham. Yes, um, and shout out to Kendall Cunningham, wonderful writer. Certainly. Yeah, that, the, it, you can't let five white people write a movie. <laughs> you just can't. Mm-mm. Like, and, and it's, that was, I mean, of the many frustrating, sloppy elements of this movie, particularly, as Kendall points out, particularly because this is about an issue that disproportionately affects black and brown people right yeah it's egregious it's unkind to the actors Mm -hmm. and it undercuts uh what it appears the movie wants to do which is uh be thoughtful thoughtful and progressive (laughs) progressive (laughs) uh which uh the, the treatment of I would say virtually all of the non-white characters in this movie are not treated uh, thoughtfully or uh, like like people, you know? Right. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie that aren't acting like people. But <laughs> it, it, the ways, the, the tropes True. applied mm-hmm. and the clear, like, even if it, if, if a number of these characters were not written as um, any particular race, like, that's a cast like you need to talk to your casting director about what their problem is Uh, that and depending on who you cast you need to go back and make changes to the script to right reflect what those characters would actually do and say in these situations that you've written so yeah there's a a big failure to to do that in this movie couple couple different fumbles required for uh, for it to turn out uh quite that bad yeah um, a few things that i thought were not handled the worst mm-hmm. while there is not a whole lot of uh diversity 
in general, including diversity in body size. Mm -hmm. You do have a character who is fat. We have Bailey, played by Barbie Ferreira, especially if we're comparing this to other teen movies, uh, especially from past decades. There is usually a noticeable lack of body diversity um, where you see nothing but thin, usually white, western beauty standard bodies so you usually get a a field full of Haley Richardson right so it's nice to see some diversity in size and have that be Mm -hmm. normalized and Barbie is like truly the funniest part it was like again I feel we're shitting on the writing of this movie a lot but (laughs) do you hear how many like not well-written lines uh Barbie Ferrero was able to sell to me anyways I was like Mm. bless like she is just so talented very talented Uh, and and yeah, and I, I I also appreciated how I feel like in your average teen comedy you uh, don't get to know like Barbie Ferreira's role in the story would normally be sidelined quite a bit, and you wouldn't get to learn a lot about her. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that the movie went out of its way to give her her own story, uh, even though sometimes I was like a dad taser. That's what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> we're leaning into the deadbeat dad trope, and then we're doing like this. 2007 Judd Apatow thing okay uh yeah sure but uh (laughs) in any case and and there were I think generally as far as this I mean we've seen this story of like the you changed and I'm a hot topic girl uh (laughs) you know story a bajillion times but I thought that that was pretty well executed and like sure the two actors have such great chemistry that even when it like wasn't awesome I was like they clearly like each other (laughs) yeah I I, yeah. I like too that I think some kind of like popular girl tropes are avoided or subverted in this movie where sort of. Veronica seems to run with like the popular girls, but she but she can read like I don't she can read she cares about her studies she's a Trekkie nerd she doesn't have street smarts and she doesn't drink but she does have sex like just you know yeah, that's true various qualities that uh, are usually way more rigidly represented in like a popular girl but you know she's seems to be more well-rounded I don't know not not a huge thing but yeah it's it's like a a a little a lot of little attempts taking place in uh in this movie yeah um did you have anything else I don't have anything else how about you uh no that's about all I had uh this movie does pass the Bechdel test yes uh quite a bit it's mostly Barbie Ferreira and Haley Lou Richardson talking in a car for quite a bit of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you've got conversations between uh, mothers and daughters. Yep. You've got conversations between popular girls. Uh, <laughs> you've got all sorts. You've got uh, conversations between uh, anti-abortion fundamentalists and Haley Lou Richardson. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all sorts of conversations taking place that don't Certainly. have to do with uh with men um so yep no problem there however we're now at our nipple scale zero to five nipples based on how the movie fares when looking at it through an intersectional feminist lens i think setting aside that i think there's a lot of like just like screenwriting issues i would give this i think a three in that it is yeah it does have a an agenda and a progressive agenda that is seeking to 
humanize getting an abortion and part of the agenda is to make having an abortion seem less daunting and scary and yeah just the normal medical procedure that it is i appreciate that that is the agenda of the movie as we've discussed there's a lot of missteps in what it fails to acknowledge around the abortion discussion in terms of people of color especially from a lower socioeconomic status um, people of color who live in states where abortion is already difficult to access are more likely to have to have an abortion because of other factors not as easy access to health care and birth control not as easy access right. to education things like that yeah and it's it's like there there are you know cer- certainly veronica's character has obstructions to access abortion sure. but she i i just think for this story it she's not the prime candidate for leading this story absolutely um, and and also it's it's like the movie has more than enough room for additional characters and perspectives like they're mm-hmm. they're just they're you can't include the whole Brecken Meyer sequence and then tell me there wasn't time for it there was time right. and it was a massive oversight in addition to all the ways that this movie fumbles with race in general right and if the writers are like oh I don't know I just felt out of my depth talking about that in the movie and it's like well then bring in other people exactly who can speak to that more effectively if George Miller can do it you can do it <laughs> if you can. right uh, wait you haven't heard our, our Mad Max episode comes out next week yes, 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 but yes that'll yes. make so much sense next week that'll make so much sense in a week so yeah the the failure to acknowledge uh that people of color are very disproportionately affected by limited access to abortion, uh, I think is a, is a major misstep for this movie, the way that characters of color are treated, the way uh, the queer relationship pans out. Uh, a lot of it is just quite a few missteps. I do appreciate that the kind of emotional relationship core of the movie is a is a friendship between two girls mm-hmm. that shouldn't be a rare thing in film but um it is uh yeah. so i appreciate that i appreciate the uh, lack of absolution for the kevin character i think that you mm-hmm. know if this movie was made you know uh, <laughs> even fairly recently yeah. that would not be a guaranteed thing there's definitely things that this movie is doing right but it is also doing quite a bit either wrong or just completely ignoring the glaring reality of right yeah so i think i'll go with like i don't know two and a half feels a little too low for i'm gonna go three i think i'll go three i'll give one to barbie Ferreira. i'll give one to the actor who plays peg Mm -hmm. gerald prescott and i will give my third nipple to peg's reference to the human centipede I did appreciate that. Yeah. Well delivered and a rare good line in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- yeah. I- I'm also going to go with three here for all the reasons described. Um, there are particularly on the issue of class and race as it pertains to access to abortion. It- it's like how, 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 <laughs> how can that not mm-hmm. uh, come into the story in addition to 
the people of color that are in the movie and how their characters are sidelined. They're just servicing the cis white teenager and, and, and so on and so forth. Right. It's just a huge, kind of inconceivably huge miss in that regard. And it, uh, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm going to give this three nipples and I think I'm going to give him all the Barbie because I want her to have a spare. Mm-hmm. I just think she's a delight certainly well folks that is our episode on unpregnant yes so uh, no more gregs and uh <laughs> and 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 good riddance uh again we're going to be uh linking to uh resources on more information uh we'll be linking to the bitch media piece we'll also be linking to a google doc of state by state places to donate to individual abortion Mm -hmm. clinics we will be doing the same don't you worry and we'll, we'll also post these resources to our social media. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. that's on Instagram and Twitter at Bechtelcast. Incredible. And that's just where you can find us there. Absolutely. You can also find us on Patreon, aka Matreon, where we do two bonus episodes every month. Yeah. You also have access to the back catalog of all of those over 100 bonus episodes. Well, I'll be goddamned, including uh, two movies that uh, handle abortion in uh, ways that, I mean, Obvious Child, I don't know. I had to revisit Obvious Child. Sure. Uh, but certainly a movie that handles abortion terribly, we covered on the Matreon, which is Juno. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> they're all, it's all there, baby. Head on, head mm. on over. Come on down and... Uh, you can get our merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast mm-hmm. if you are so inclined. And uh, we'll see you next week for Caitlin's birthday episode. <gasps> Bye-bye. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com.